Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for being here on the Do Business Better podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, but you knew that. It said so in the introduction. Got a great show for you today. Got a guy named Michael O'Brien. Michael O'Brien's got some similarities to me in that he gets paid to do speeches. He writes books. He's also an executive coach. He is going to help you and help us break the cycle of negative self-talk. He's going to tell us what terrible bosses teach us about leadership and he's gonna talk about building a strong network. You know, everybody that runs their own business, if you're self-employed, sole proprietorship, have your own business, employ 27 people, employ 270 people, you need to capitalize on your network. I've talked about this a little bit before here on the Do Business Better podcast, but all possibilities, all opportunities are derived from other humans. You know, we can say, oh, well, what's the business doing? Well, the business is doing what the people within the business are making it do. And what's the marketplace look like? The marketplace is made up of 7.6 billion people. So never forget that people are where opportunities are derived from. And as you've heard me say before, dear listener, every dollar you're going to make the rest of your life currently is someone else's dollar. So Michael O'Brien, welcome to the show. We're going to talk through those three things. Thanks for being here. Damian, brother, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking through those three things, and I really appreciate you bringing me on. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, well, it'll be a good one. And by the way, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast format, you know, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever it should be, that's fantastic. But also, you can now watch the Do Business Better podcast on a playlist within my YouTube channel. D Mason Comedy is my YouTube channel, or just go on YouTube, type in Damian Mason, you'll find it. And there you'll find a playlist for Do Business Better and for the business of agriculture, my other podcast. Michael O'Brien, you were riding your bike down the road one day. You're riding your bike down the road one day. You love to bike. You're an exercise guy. You're a fit guy. That's good. I find that I exercise. I have my best ideas when I'm hiking in the mountain preserve behind my house. I, I get done. I go stretch in my exercise room, do a few push-ups, some sit-ups, and I'm working through an idea. You probably do the same thing. <laughs> but one day, an idea came to you by way of an SUV plowing into you and almost killing you. Give me the scoop. Absolutely. So just like you with your hiking, like my bike time, my cycling time, best thinking time, like best ideas ever. Cause you know, we, we, when we're going, we're, when we're grinding it out, it's hard to come up with our really great innovations. So I brought my bike out to New Mexico for a company offsite. I was doing a little loop around the hotel property, came around to Ben, that SUV that you referenced was crossed into my lane fully going about 40 miles an hour based on what the police estimate. And Damien, I remember everything about that. I thought first he was gonna see me, he was gonna move and then he hit me. And I remember the sound of me going into the windshield, his grill, the screech of his brakes, the thud even I made when I came to the asphalt below and I was knocked unconscious as you can imagine. And when I regained consciousness, I knew I was in a world of hurt. Just the thought of moving was painful, but I also knew my life was in the balance based on what the EMTs were doing and the, just the whole vibe of the accident scene. And so that was a whole different moment. And the thought that came there was, hey, if I live, if I make it through this, I'm going to stop chasing happiness because I was doing a whole bunch of that before my accident when I was a 
young professional doing the corporate thing. Okay, so you're a young professional doing the corporate thing. I've been there. I've been on my own now for, I'm in my 26th year, um, uh, 25 down, starting in halfway, almost more than halfway through my 26th year. I know what that feeling is like. Of course, it goes back a long time for me. You said, all right. Uh, and you know, everybody talks about that life-changing moments, and they talk about uh, coming coming out of the operating room and realizing, by golly, I'm going to make this change. So here you were. How old were you? Thirty-three. Uh, two daughters, three and a half years old, seven months old, married seven years. Uh, by on all surface levels, things look pretty good. I was a stress puppy inside, so um, I was you know trying to repress the stress, thinking it would go away. That was just a part of corporate America. And then, yeah, I had my first surgery. Took like 12 hours, four days in the ICU, broke a whole bunch of everything, including lacerating the femoral artery of my left leg. When the left femur shattered, it blew apart my left femoral artery as well. So that's what really created a life and death situation. Isn't and, that, the, isn't that the one that carries like half of your body's blood and if it gets severed, <clears throat> like you've got like five, four minutes until you're dead or something? Yeah, like like um like yeah, four four four, four minutes, four hours. So the doctors told my wife, had I been ten years older or not in shape, they're like, there's no way your husband makes it to the hospital alive. So they're like, I don't know how your husband actually survived all this, let alone back to like because they painted this horrible picture, Damien, as far as my life, like lifetime of limitations, dependencies, more surgery. Like you're not gonna you're probably not going to really walk that well ever again. You're probably never going to get back on your bike. And this, like the, this whole scene got set up where like, Hey, you have a life of uncertainty. And that, that didn't make me like all, you know, happy as a clam in sand. I was, I went bitter, angry, revengeful. And growing up, I learned, Hey, an eye for an eye, you harm me, I'm going to harm you. And so I stayed in that funk for the longest time. And I, you know, I, Still had that promise I made myself when I they put me on the helicopter to take me to the trauma center in Albuquerque that I was going to stop chasing happiness. But I like I, I didn't see anything happy in the moment, and it took me it took me a big aha moment where they flew me back to New Jersey, had more surgeries, a few new hospitals, and then I realized, well, if I'm going to make my body better, I got to first like sort of check myself on my mindset. I had to make my mindset healthier to make my body healthier, to make the progress I wanted to make because I, I desperately wanted to get out of the hospital like, like anybody would. You know, uh, we go through these things. I've never been whacked and almost dead, uh, but I, I can talk about, and my listeners and people have read my book, by the way, uh, if you're viewing this, I'm going to take my chance to plug the Do Business Better book. But anyway, in my book, I talk about the hard setback for me was not physical per se. It was um, after 9-11. And, you know, you go through these setbacks that are not just trying where you really, you go from beaten to, uh, you know, and people are like, ah, oh, you're one of those guys that gets back on his feet. I'm like, yeah, but after the 11th, knockdown <laughs> after the 12th knockdown then you get depressed and somewhere in there you get mad it's probably either before or after that and so there you are you're saying hell i didn't want to get hurt i'm a 33 year old man i'm a young guy i got children and then there you are so then tell me about the comeback when you said by golly i'm gonna go and do this i'm gonna go what i know how to do i'm gonna teach executives 
how to be better executives. And everybody that listens to the show is an executive of their own enterprise, okay? You are the CEO of Me Incorporated. So that's why this matters, and that's why Michael O'Brien is here. You said, I'm going to go out and teach executives how to be better. Take me from then. Yeah, great question, Damien. So I eventually got out of the hospital, and I went back to my corporate career, but I went back with a completely different script because I was like, hey, we got to change how we work together in a corporation. And I loved my corporation work. I loved leadership. And one of the things I wanted to do, because I, I knew I was going to go into this field of helping other executives lead better. It was something happened during the ICU visit that I write about in my book that I knew I'd follow in that path. It was only a matter of time. So I went back to my corporate life with a new script and worked my way up to the executive suite. And I was the head of North America for a pharmaceutical company. And I had a team of about a thousand in Canada, U.S. and Mexico. And I, I then like sort of sit side by side with the executives that your listeners, because I've walked a mile in their shoes. I think this is important. This is the value that you bring to your listeners and to your clients. And when you speak, because you've been there, you've walked a mile, you've been in the trenches. Now I try to help folks without having them go through what I went through to say, hey, you know what? There's a different way you can lead that I think current day, we need to lead in this way because of all the uncertainty in the world. We need more agility. So I work now with folks to say, hey, you can shift your perspective. You can prevent that bad moment from turning into a bad day. Let's get to work on trying to make that happen. I apologize to you and to the listeners if they just heard the helicopter go over. Uh, I, I don't know. Probably somebody, a cat is stuck up a tree, so the chopper six had to be there to put it on the evening news. Okay, so about being a different way to lead. Uh, all right, you've got three things we promised our listeners. What terrible bosses teach us about leadership? Let's go with that one, number one. What what a terrible, okay, I've had, I've had bosses back when I had a corporate job, which is 25 years ago. I remember one of a, a regional manager, because I was a sales guy, told me that you've got to lie to your customers, otherwise they won't like you. And I'm, I'm 50 years old now, looking back at the 23-year-old version of myself being told that, thinking, what the hell? Um, is that leadership? Is that, is that mentoring? Or is that the worst? I, I don't lie to my customers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't find that to be a good business practice. I was told that. So I'm just thinking about, you know, what terrible bosses. And they weren't like mean to me. They didn't like, you know, sexually harass me or anything like that. But I can think about bad, stupid stuff I was instructed on. Take me away. Yeah. So I wrote a blog post, Damien, on 10 lessons I've learned from my bad bosses uh, for Salesforce.com. And all the guys, mainly guys that, um, well, 80% guys, 20% women, all were good people, right? They, they weren't, like you mentioned, they, you know, there was no harassment. They weren't jerks, but they were just not effective leaders. So I think one thing, uh, one of my bad bosses, it was a power over mentality. He had, he had the old hierarchy, like, I stand above you you're beneath me, as opposed to what I learned through my recovery, this whole power with, so think of a tandem bike. Like, in, I think in, in today's world, it, now this worked, the power over the hierarchy, that structure, mm -hmm. when we came off the farm, something that you know a lot about, into manufacturing, and there was just like making widgets. The economy is different now. We have to get to a 
power with type of mentality. So that's one. So I learned a lot about power with to be in a- power with explain. You're saying instead of here's the boss and then you're down here putting uh, widgets into a box. Now the new effective, you know, that was fine. Industrial revolution, 120 years ago. Now, now it's about me as the leader. How do I partner with my team through better conversation? Because as you mentioned in your upfront, like we're, things happen because of people and things happen because we're having better conversations with our people. So how do we have a better conversation? We might direct less, tell less and ask more questions to stimulate a different conversation. And then we start to harness the power of those around us. We're still in the leader position, leadership position. So from an org chart, we're still like say above on the org chart, but we're approaching our work with more curiosity and more togetherness and therefore, we're having a better conversation. I think we start there. That was one of the lessons I learned from some bad bosses. I also learned the power with lesson from so many good bosses. No, me. Okay. What other things? What other lessons we learned from terrible bosses? Because again, everybody that's run their own business, you're a boss in some capacity. Whether you, if you don't even have employees, uh, how you, you're the boss of yourself. It's how you, it's how you run your business. And then, uh, what, what other things do you learn from terrible bosses? So communication clarity and priority clarity. So I, I know you've had some bosses because, you know, as you mentioned, we're both sales guys. So it's, all, you know, sort of all over the place sometimes. But when the priorities keep on changing for no apparent reason or the communication isn't clear, we're, we're as human beings, we're not so good when things get fuzzy. You know, if it's a foe, we know what to do with a foe. If it's a friend, we know what to do with a friend. But when it's a frenemy or just it's uncertain and, and, and in today's times, a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so that causes a lot of stress. So I've had a lot of bosses in the past that could not communicate clearly on what our priorities were. And that just leaves you scrambling. So the good bosses I've learned, all right, communicate consistently with clarity, with, you know, with directness too. You can be a direct, compassionate communicator and then making sure that we line up our priorities so we spend a disproportional amount of time on those and we stop chasing all those shiny objects that sort of steal and suck our time away from actually delivering the results that we need to deliver for our companies. I love the thing, Michael, communication and prioritization clarification. Really, you're talking about, I put the IO in on all those words, but communication and priority clarity. And I like that. I'll give you an example um, from a communication standpoint. When I was a young sales rep, they sent me to San Diego from Indiana, plucked me and another guy that was a, you know, our first year on the job and said, you're going to San Diego because we got problems there. You're going to be there for a couple of weeks. So we go to the headquarters in Chicago and they hand us two airplane tickets and said, yeah, we fired our representation there and we need somebody to plug the hole. And then it was kind of a neat opportunity. I learned a lot. You know, you get, you talk about being thrown into a situation, but we were there for five months and looking back, none of those people that were more experienced and our leaders ever said, Hey, you know what? This is going to take longer than two weeks. We got real problems getting our new representation hired. looks like you're going to be there for another month and a half at least. And here's where we are in the process. And here's what we see happening with you. It was always, but you're being told what you need to know. Is that old thing of, you know, you're on a need to know basis and you work for us. I'm like, how stupid was this? They almost lost me because once you're in this situation of uncertainty and then also you're a getter 
don't know you can probably relate. All of a sudden, yeah. the competition says, wait a minute, here's this kid from Indiana. They just grabbed him out of his Indianapolis territory, threw him out here in, in California without any support, and then they're telling him, well, you might be here for, we don't know. You, you, we're working on stuff. You don't even know. Of course, then the competition came and said, do you want a better situation where we can actually utilize a young person with your talent? And that's where the communication, they almost lost me stupidly just because they weren't being openly and, and like you said clarification of communication yeah that's a great story David. No, not a great story as far as amplifying this issue you know they could have said hey listen here we're sending you out to san diego we're not certain how much time it's going to be out there it could be two weeks it could be two months so then at least you know okay what am i signing up for and you know so many bad leaders use information as a power over like i have stuff that you don't know yeah. i'm going to keep it from you as opposed to hey let's just be transparent with each other even if you don't know this is a good also a good thing that you can learn from bad bosses a, a good boss will say i don't know i haven't been through this before i'm not sure how long this is going to last i know though together we're going to figure out a way forward a bad boss is going to be like you know he's not going to be uh, call it vulnerability, which is you know obviously a word that's uh, shared a lot nowadays. But to say, hey, listen, sometimes you just don't know. Um, I know when I went through my last bad day, that whole accident, like that was the first life-altering crisis I've ever been through. I didn't know, and it's okay as a leader to say, you know what, I don't know. Here's what I do know, and I know the remaining puzzle pieces. We're going to be able to figure that out together by being curious with one another, power with, brainstorming, however you want to frame it, whatever verb you want to use. I like your thing about priority, of, of clarifying the priority also, and that's a, a good leader because, take an example of uh, high school sports. I've always used this before. A bad football coach comes up there and says, okay, outside linebacker, your job is when the tight end blocks down, you do this. Like, well, what's the big picture? Well, the big picture is we want to stop the offense, the opposing offense, from getting 10 yards, which would be a first down, because we want to then, by doing that, that keeps them from going down and scoring a touchdown, which means that then we get the ball back and we give the opportunity. Big picture is winning the game. And how do we do that? Well, we do it by this, this, and this. Instead, they just go up there and tell the guy, your job is to block this way. Your job is to uh, uh, defend this way. Instead of big picture, win the game. How do we win the game? By preventing them from scoring more than us. How does that happen? By the, the, So yeah. prioritization can be brought right down. And you think about most people are bad coaches. They just go in there and say, put this screw on this nut. Well, I get that. But what's the ultimate thing? The ultimate thing is a pickup truck goes out the end of that factory. Yeah, a good leader is going to know – all right, what's our final outcome that we're striving for to the football? Win the game, win the Super Bowl. All right, let's break it down. Each person on this team, all 11 on both sides of the ball, we all have different roles we need to do. Here's your priority for your role. When we all do that together, all 22 on the field, if you're looking at both, then those are the building blocks that lead to our ultimate victory. So good leaders know how to paint or create an aspirational vision of like, hey, you know what, tomorrow is better, you wanna come with me? And they bring the right people together, the right team members, and then they make it about that shared success. You know, cause the leader wins and the company wins, stakeholders, shareholders win, and so do the employees when we, when we do this in the right way.
Well, then they get buy-in. Okay, I promised our listeners we're going to cover another topic, breaking the cycle of negative self-talk. This is probably a pretty easy one, uh, but we all get there. Um, it's, it's not that you are totally unconfident. It's not that you just have no self-esteem. It's just the more, especially now, uh, right now, we're recording this when we're dealing with this pandemic, you've you got more time on your hands or you've got more uh, time to ponder or worse yet, be uncertain. And then that leads to, damn, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Uh, why, boy, my, I, things are going really badly. Talk to me. Yeah, well, when I was in the hospital, I had a whole bunch of time on my hands. And I was, you mentioned 9-11, I was in the hospital during 9-11. So there's, you know, you have a whole bunch of self-narratives. I think one of the first things we need to do when we have these moments, because anybody charging after something bigger is going to have a moment of self-doubt. So remember, just, hey, hit the pause button, breathe a little bit, just like, that basketball player on the, you know, the foul line, like, what does he do? What does she do? They always take a deep, they dribble the ball. They take a breath before they shoot. And I think that's so important, you know, when we have these moments and then try to go back into our catalog of the good things that we've done, you know, our accomplishments. We tend to forget those when we're stressed, you know, we're like, Oh, we, we haven't accomplished anything, but, if we pause long enough, take a breath and reflect back to, you know what, throughout my whole career, throughout my life, there have been moments where I doubted myself. I found a way up and over that obstacle. What can I pull from those experiences to apply right now to help me get through this particular one? Um, so that's a big one. And then I think the, the third one to get through these tough moments is who is in your network? And we'll talk about this here in a sec, but do you have the right people who can bring out the best in you? Because again, we're all going to go through these moments. So lean on the right people that maybe they can help you see what you don't see in this particular moment. And that might just be enough of a shift to get you unstuck. Yeah. You know, uh, I like your point there about the, uh, the, I, I always say, when you know what you've been through, you know what you can get through. It's the thing about resilience and that's where the negative self-talk I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going through a challenge managing all of this business disruption because of uh, the, you know, the coronavirus outbreak and you are too. And, and it's formidable. I mean, it's not like, oh, I lost um, a week's worth of revenue. We're talking about losing uh, one third or one half of your year in revenue. And so you're like, Jesus, that's terrible. But if you've been through enough battles, at least you then have, shall we say, the experience to fall back on you don't like it but you know it, it does help with the negative self-talk because then saying oh man there's no way i'm ever going to come out of this you're like i'm probably gonna come out of it because i did before yeah great point damien like i i know this because you know you and i both have been through recessions before 9-11 that this moment too shall pass we're, we're gonna get through this as a country as a, a, a planet because it's a you know global pandemic but what's interesting, when I look at my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's 22, her generation, they haven't been through anything like this before. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't, they didn't have a 9-11, right? She was right. too young at the time. So their level of anxiety in this moment is far greater than the, the, the type of folks I tend to hang it with. We know through experience and perspective that, yeah, this is going to be tough, but we'll get through it. And so it's important again to have the right people around you to help you in these moments because they might have a perspective to share that can really help you get unstuck and change that change that narrative. 
Which brings us to the last point, a network, a strong network. You want to be successful, develop a strong network. Okay, you just said having the right people. How do I get the right people? I, I know how you get rid of the wrong people. Uh, I, I say this all the time. You got people in your canoe that are not only not paddling in the right direction, they're paddling against you, throw their ass out. Oh, so I love, I love that. So my canoe is called a Peloton. So for those that don't know what a Peloton is, it's a group of cyclists in a bike race. Like, so in the essence of like the Tour de France. So for me, your network is like, who are you riding with canoe wise? Who are you rowing with? And I'm right there with you, Damien. Like if you got the wrong person you're riding with, drop, drop his butt, kick him out of the boat because you, you can't drag those people around. So that's the first step. I look at who's in your Peloton and your network from a, a diversity perspective in terms of different roles. So I believe, you know, you said people in your life, personally and professionally, can help you with a crisis like the coronavirus, who can be there to challenge your thinking, to put you outside your comfort zone, who can help you clarify, ask you the right question when you're stuck, maybe get your thinking going a little bit differently. They can be there to comfort you when you need some comfort good old chicken soup for the soul, like your mama, you know, and your dad maybe. And then who's around you to celebrate? So those five roles I think are important. And it's good to have a mixture of people professionally and personally. So not, there's not one person doing too many of those roles. And, and, and they're going to, you know, they're the closest. Those 10, if you will, or eight to 10 people, that's your main Peloton. Those are the people bringing out your best in you. And yeah, you might have to mix it up from time to time because relationships change, people change. But being mindful of those, especially during this time, I think this is a good pause button to say, okay, do I have the right network? Do I have the right people rowing with me or riding with me so I can have a successful 2020 and beyond when all this is all over? So answer me then, I, I caught four of them. Okay, so the people in your network, because everybody has a certain role, probably they have multiple roles. There's probably uh, one person that will fill two or three of these roles, but they'll probably not fill all five of them. The people in your network need to do the five C's. Somebody when you uh, are in crisis that uh, you know can shepherd you through that, uh, help you clarify things, give you comfort, celebrate when yeah. things are good. What's the, one, the second C I missed? challenge you or confront you so that person that like when you need to get outside that the yep. resistance or the status quo like they're going to push you they're going to push your buttons damien and you're going to hate it and you're going to like curse at them and you're going to be like when it's all said and done you're like thanks for that push i needed that push you need someone in your life there i have out of my peloton i have like eight people you know like my wife serves a couple different roles my best friend serves a couple different roles but I want to make sure I have a good mixture and I'm evaluating it from time to time, especially like in these moments, because you got to, you got to have the right people to get through moments like this. There is no question. I mean, but I, I actually like that. The one I missed is the challenge part because so many folks, they don't have the fortitude or they, uh, they don't, they're too weak. And so they just find a bunch of yes men. Well, you know, it's the whole thing well, it's a personal level. Like, well, I'm I'm trying to save money. I just get and I talked to Cindy and she can't save money. It's like, yeah, because you and Cindy go and blow your money uh, on nonsense every day. You know, that's not a challenge. That's a that's a that is what we call a an enabler. Uh, so, uh, yeah. All right. His name well, is Michael one. Brian. Last thoughts. Last closing wrap up thoughts here on the Do Business Better podcast. 
I would say leadership, you know, as cliche as it sounds, it's a gift. It's a, it's a real responsibility. So we talk about accountability a lot. And I like it, look at accountability, not in terms of consequence, but ownership and responsibility that when we show up better at work, we can change how we live together. And I think we need to change how we live together. So I would encourage people to step into that leadership role. I like it. Michael O'Brien, you can find him at www.michaelobrien. That's Michael, like the traditional spelling, O'Brien, B-R-I-E-N, shift.com. MichaelO'BrienShift.com. I'm sure you can connect with him on social media there and pick up some more of his tips, buy his books, whatever you'd like to do. Michael O'Brien, thanks for being here, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right. Till next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you. Thank you.